Welcome to the Line of Sight Gaming Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 31 of the Line of Sight Gaming Podcast. My name's Chandler. I'm here with Brett. I am here. You are here. Jaden is also. That is true. Jaden's also here. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of a yeah. Yep, technically. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a it's a it's a it's a bit of a Brett and me episode, and I'm incoherent. So we're gonna Brett's Brett's carrying us, He's carrying us through the dungeon. Yeah, <laughs> we are basically on time, right? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> do we have do we have anything any interesting news before kicking off our actual topic today? Uh, bunch of Jane, sorry. Go ahead. Jane's an asshole and got me to buy a bunch of uh, 40k products. Look, they're wizards' products. Okay, <laughs> that does that is why I'm willing to buy them. Yeah. Um. So you know, if you haven't already seen the 40k commander decks, they're the best preconstructed commander decks ever made. They're going to be like ten times this price in three years. Go buy them now. Question mark. I don't know. There you go feels like they do look very cool i mean honestly just having cool magic cards with like the 40k stuff i've been playing uh sounds great to me on its own so i'm actually not convinced that's gonna be true of the tyranid one uh i could see that the tyranid one is by far the weakest but that's okay like it's here's the thing it's still better than like 99 percent of the other commander precons and if it has one card that's a 50 dollar card in it it'll it'll trip one price quadruple one price just like the Mm -hmm. others so like eh I see no problems with this. Seems uh, good. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch. So those are coming out. There's a whole bunch of Marvel Crisis Protocol stuff. We'll probably talk about that on the Marvel Crisis Protocol cast. And I don't know. I top eight at a GT last weekend. Is that news that we talk about here? I won, a, I won Best Painted. You did? Oh, my gosh. Brett, you won Best Painted. <laughs> you guys are all backwards today. It's like yeah. bizarro world line of sight. I, I also won Best Painted. <laughs> well, there we go. That's funny. Brett and I, Best Painted Bros. Man, who would have ever yeah. seen that coming? I've won Best Painted at a small local event once by default because I was the only one with all my stuff painted. Uh, that's the way to do it. Yep. Yeah. That's the good stuff. Pros pro strats. <laughs> that was my plan, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh cool. Well, yeah, here we go. Uh what are we talking about today, Brett? We are talking about First Blood 2.0. So <laughs> God, there's a lot of explanation to explain what it is. Okay. So Parabellum made a game called Conquest, and if you've played the game Conquest, you'll know it's a rank-and-file game where they have these, like, square stands that you kind of put next to each other, and you kind of, like, do the awkward wheeling and maneuvering, and it's like trying to get trucks to go to the right place. What was the metaphor? Dumpster Um, trucks. Driving dump trucks. That's right. Um, And you'll notice that the stands all have circular-based models that you can pop out of the stands. And the reason they did that is because they also released a game called First Blood, which is uh, supposed to be all the same models and similar enough rules that you can kind of um, swap between them pretty easily, And except that it's a skirmish game. So much lower scale, hopefully plays faster, um, and is more focused on like individual models rather than you know these entire you know 100-man armies. Which, just random interjection, and I won't be making many of these, uh, I think that's really funny because, in my opinion, Conquest is a skirmish game. But, mm-hmm. you know, carry on. 
Yeah, it's we've just... kind of joked that for a while, right? But, I mean, it's like it's true though. It's it is so, funny. Yeah, speaking of our game design point of view, I actually can't distinguish the difference between a skirmish game and a rank and file game because rank and file games for all of their you know hundreds of models at least all the ones i've played they're basically just one unit right so yeah the the way i heard it described was they're really expensive wound markers exactly Uh, yeah and like i like the game of thrones game i would i would very clearly consider that a skirmish game um, because all the rank and file stuff is limited to like it's you got twelve guys in your unit and you always have twelve guys in your unit so you have this one stand and that's how big it's always going to be. The fact that there's twelve people in it doesn't make it less of a skirmish game. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so yeah, I if, if so uh, send hate mail to me Brett at uh, Lenasite Wargaming. <laughs> Um, and tell me how wrong I am about uh, about rank file games. Um, so, First Blood. Uh, the reason we're talking about it now is that not only did it get a new edition, where they I don't I haven't actually read the original First Blood rules. <laughs> I assume they changed everything. Um, and not only that, they also finally released the uh, tournament packet for First Blood, meaning yep. it has uh, well. The actual well-designed scenarios, uh, because when I when I first read the through the rulebook and then they had like the the rulebook scenarios, I'm like, uh, pretty easy to win these in turn two without any interaction from your opponent. Yeah, right. God, I love that. Which uh, did not make me want to play the game. But uh, these these okay. And the reason I want to talk about it is because the scenarios are wild. <laughs> Like, I was trying to explain just how insane they were to Chandler, and I think I needed more time, and I need the visual medium. So, well, you guys don't get the visual medium, so read along with me. Yeah, they like um, they make Clash Machine scenarios look pretty tame, which is funny. Yeah, <laughs> wait till we get to objectives. So, uh, so if, if we're talking about how to convert from Conquest to First Blood. So, Conquest uh, is a roll-low system that has... A big emphasis on morale damage. Both of those are preserved into the rank and file, or into this, into the first blood game. It also preserves the activation order. So, like, uh, you build you build a deck of cards every turn, and you flip them, and that's the order in which you activate, um, barring people who mess with that. Though the thing they did remove is they removed the reinforcement rolls, which is one of the one of the really critical things of conquest but works really badly at small point games for example at skirmish level so really glad they got rid of that yeah uh the the other changes so because you're not locked into your stand they had to introduce command rules um and these command rules are going to be very familiar to people who have played war machine uh war machine mark three and previous so you have a leader model and he has a command range stat all Everyone else in the regiment has to stay within that uh, within that bubble, or they they don't quite die, but they can't do anything. They have to run back into command, all that. Uh, yeah. The the interesting <clears throat> twist that First Blood adds is that in addition to the leader, if you have a standard bearer, which is a very common thing in rank and file games, the standard bearer, if he's within command range of the leader. The, the standard bearer makes his own command bubble, which oh, everyone, interesting. Okay. Which everyone else can be within. So 
the only way to get standard bearers is to get a large sized unit. Um, mm-hmm. You can't you can't just pay for them in this game. You have to they like you get them for free at eight models or whatever. And so yeah. once you hit that threshold, you get it for free, and then you get the second bubble to put people in. You get shepherding. Okay. Yes, and the cool thing is, um, models or unit sizes are smaller, and command ranges are very small. The average command range is five. Oh dang! That okay. is really small. Everybody's got to be yeah. Everybody's got to be pretty packed in then. Yep. Yeah, and unit uh, infantry units start at four models usually. Okay, well that's not too but bad. They can go, yeah, they can go up to twelve. At which point you'll have a standard bear usually. So, what else do they change? Um, I think it's mostly similar to conquest at that point. Uh, they they tried to implement duels. Uh, they the so in conquest the characters have a retinue that kind of like increases their stats. In First Blood, because you're not in that stand, they're not just wound markers, the retinue fights. <laughs> so that's going to be oh, very nice. funny. Yeah, it's going to be very funny for my, uh, my uh, like, like Bolt of Lightning <laughs> arcane retinue. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So My lightning bolt fights ret- you. Get wrecked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'll talk about more about retinues in a second. The other interesting thing is that you get exactly one character. So it's supposed to be like one warband. So you get one character with their retinue and their one or two treasures, and then you get any number of uh, any number of like other units in the faction. Uh, it, it doesn't care about uh, restricted or mainstay at all. It's just whatever you want to take. You can't take more than four of the same thing. That's smart. An FA cap is a thing that a lot of games didn't do for a long time and now i think a lot of them are realizing that that's a big mistake design yeah it's a it's a it's a good safety valve four is a little high uh the average unit price is like like even cheap units are like 100 points and it's an 800 point game yeah so i i did run into the cap but it was really the difference between four and five units okay yeah the Oh, the one one other thing they added was they added the command uh, rule, which is basically the idea that your character, the guy leading your army, should be able to inspire his friends and make them fight better. So most characters have a, a rule that says at the beginning of their turn, choose a unit within their command range and give them some bonus. Like for Old Dominion, it's... Uh, it restores their old memories. So instead of having to track all the people who died, it's just like you get to be tier two this turn. Um, and this, they vary from like moving a model to like like marking an enemy model to, uh, to like giving someone a free move, like all kinds of stuff. Nice. Uh, it's a good range of power levels cool. there. Yeah. And it's interesting that it has to be at the beginning of your activation uh, because that very drastically limits like what you can affect because you can't like move and then choose someone who was far away to start. Mm-hmm. Which is nice because one of the things that drives me the craziest about 40 K is playing against apothecaries who are like, I'm just going to cruise over here to this unit. That's like 12 inches away and res two of them. Herp, da, derp, da, derp. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hate that. 
hate that so much. And I don't know if there's a rule in the core game, but I really like that they have the rule that broken regiments can't contest. They can't they can't deal with scenario at all. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. So if you if you refuse a duel, if you lose half your unit, you have to spend an action rallying or you don't even get to affect the scenario. So yeah. That's that's a really cool way to like And with Sorry, with with breaking a unit, yeah. Do you still do you still break if like half your unit dies all at once, or how yep. how are they? Okay, yeah. So stuff is still pretty tied together. It sounds like it really is kind of a translation of the rank and file style game it's over nice. to a more kind of skirmishy individual model system. The you're going to run into some problems in that all of the models are the same, but their mm-hmm. rules or like their stats are slightly different. Oh, like, that would my brain no. <laughs> yeah, like so all infantry is wound like two wounds basically. Yeah. But like Ziliarch in Conquest is clash 2, but in First Blood he learned how to be clash 3. <laughs> like Yeah, that would be does What's funny is like really usually with games like that, and this is a case with just about any game I've played, is that really big changes are actually usually e- really easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really little things like that. Like this guy's stat is one higher. You're like, I am going to screw that up forever. <laughs> just all the time. So uh, the only reason I can remember the only reason I can remember that specific example is because the reason I don't play him in conquest is he's clash two. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, one of the things that my dad's a composer and one of the things that they had to do and he was getting his degree was um, compose a piece that is as difficult to play as physically possible inside of certain restrictions. And he basically he did this motif, like this musical theme over and over and over again. But each time was like a half note difference between like one part of of the the melody. And it drove the orchestra absolutely mad. And that that seems like the kind of yeah, just very little little things. Right. You think big changes are hard, but it's it's little stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, because if it's yeah one big thing, you can go, okay, this is the same. But this one big difference. Yeah, and you'll remember it, right? Yeah, you're yeah. Yeah, yeah and if, especially if there's no pattern to it. Like if you can remember it, like, you know, note three goes up a half step every time I repeat. That mm-hmm. that's easy enough. But if right. there's no pattern to it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, he rolled a dice and basically was like, All right, this note this time gets to be <laughs> I think slightly he, different. <laughs> he he won that contest in case anybody's wondering. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Um Speaking of minor differences from Conquest, I really appreciate that they renamed Unstoppable Charge into Heavy Impact. That's good. Uh, I do not appreciate that they they the they they kept the name of some of the rules and then completely changed what they did. Oh no! So like dangerous. Like like fluid formation is what War Machine players would call Pathfinder. You ignore broken ground, dangerous, and hindering terrain. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, interesting. Okay. Fluid formation is a rule in, in conquest. Is a rule in, in regular yeah. conquest, yeah. They were like, oh, opportunist is the worst one. What does opportunist do? Uh, and so yeah, normally when, that gives you rerolls to hit if you're in a flank or rear, right? Yeah, so now it's rerolls to hit if you're clashing a broken regiment. Oh. <laughs> like it's good. Little, yeah, a little stuff like that. It should have just been a different name. Yeah. And, but I'm not gonna be too mad because they 
basically remove draw events and I hate draw events. <laughs> so <laughs> fair enough. Okay, so let's let's get into the scenarios. So the the coolest thing First Blood does is that the type of model determines how many models it counts as when you're contesting zones. So in order to in order to control a zone, they call it seizing objective zones, you have to have more models than your opponent in that mm -hmm. zone. But light infantry only counts as half a model. Mm. Light cav and light and brutes count as as one. Medium and heavy infantry count as one. Medium and heavy cavalry and brutes count as three because they're super expensive. And then monsters count as six. And then the dino the T-Rex, the FX Predator, has a special rule saying that it counts as infinite. <laughs> Yay. Because <laughs> it, it costs four it costs four hundred and five points. So it's more than half your army. <laughs> Yay. That's funny. Oh, that so, also means you can't play two of them. Boo. You not run two of them. Boo. I'm sure that's on purpose, but boo. <laughs> boo game, game, game unplayable. Can't play two Apex Predators. <laughs> well, I'm not really sure how you kill an Apex Predator. So <laughs> so in in Conquest, right, you get your stand in. You've got the three the three stands in contact, in, or maybe more. And you've got, you know, your whole unit gets to support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, in First Blood, you have to do your random charge your leader has to get into base to base contact don't, don't ask me why that's the case um and then everyone else has to pile in and have the one inch melee range and so like <laughs> i don't know how you get enough attacks onto mm. the apex predator to get through all its wounds it does seem really hard yeah, yeah. um so that's that's i, I think the apex predator is really good so we were talking about uh other scenario things the okay so the other thing that I think is fascinating, don't know if it's good, is objective markers. So these will remind you of objectives in War Machine, where they're, they're things on the table that belong to one of the players, or sometimes they're neutral, and you have to do enough damage to kill them, and when you do, you score points, and uh, they stop contesting zones. The weird thing is that... They have defense three, so they block half the damage that comes in. They're mm -hmm. not automatically hit. So, like, most of the game is, like, Clash 2. So they're, like, only hitting, like, a third of the time on these objectives. <laughs> and then, no matter how, much, how many attacks you put into the objective, you can only do a maximum of one damage per action. Yeah. An objective. You have, to be mean, really, you have to be really committing a lot of resources and time. Time is the thing. Yeah. Because it's one per action and you can't, most units can't repeat the same action twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That means it's usually five activations. So it's like five turns, assuming you don't miss any of them. Yeah. So, right. Which so you will. I, yeah. So I think a lot of the game is actually going to be finding units find yeah finding units that can efficiently kill objectives because there are tricky ways to get two damage onto it per activation hmm. so speaking from the old dominion perspective because that's what I, i'm planning on playing so you can mm -hmm. take the Karis, um they're the the magic unit 
So they can do this. They can do a spell that targets it. Uh, it targets their resolve. Objectives don't have resolve, so they rule that they just automatically get hit by it. So that's that's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then they also have a gun, which is pretty reasonable odds for four of them to to do damage to it. So that's that's a way to do uh, <coughs> do two damage in one activation because they can shoot it and then magic it. Yeah. Which reminds me of an interesting rule I forgot. All objectives cannot be targeted by guns more than six inches away from it. So you yep. have to get close to the objective in order to kill it. Um, okay, but the then another tricky way is because you count as engaging the objective, but it doesn't count as engaging you, you can charge it over and over again. Oh, no. So, so if you have impact attacks, you can impact and clash every turn as long as there's no opponents uh, like engaging you. So... The Cataphractoi is extremely good at killing objectives because it has Brutal Impact 2, so it and it has an odd number of attacks. So it gets three impact attacks. Um, one of them will hit, and then it only it only saves on ones. So like five and six chance to, to do damage with your impact, and then it'll, it'll knock it out of the park with its melees. It makes a ton of attacks. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you can... You can take one cataphractoid for 120 points and has a pretty like it has about 50 50 odds of doing two damage per activation and it's one of the faster units in the faction and then the last one is you can give a command to praetorians or infant or, or or whatever they're called um and it can make two they're they're just allowed to make two clashes in activation so nice but as pointed out you have like those in the entire faction of old dominion those are the three things that have a reasonable <laughs> chance of doing two damage in one activation. Right. So yeah. Which is not really have stuff. To, yeah. You really have to commit like you're in the list building phase. You have to figure out this puzzle. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Which brings nifty. me. Yeah. It's, it's super fascinating. That's, and I'm going to say that a lot is that it's fascinating. I don't, I would never have designed it this way, but like, I'm really I'm really excited to try it. Uh, so let's let's go to the first scenario, and I want to point out that the first scenario is a terrible place to start. I think it is one of the worst scenarios in the packet. Okay. All right. So the, funny the how fir- funny how that seems to happen sometimes. So I don't like seriously. They need to rearrange it because people are going to play the first scenario more than any of the other ones. Right. And. It is essentially roll dice and tie. <laughs> oh yes. boy. Okay, so the so the first scenario is it has two 12-inch zones uh, <clears throat> centered vertically up the table and then evenly spaced horizontally. And then it has a friendly objective on each side of the zone. Like the one closer to your the one closer to your deployment zone. Okay. Which means or you are not allowed to score a zone while an enemy objective is in it. Oh, so okay. yeah, you have to get all the way to the other side of the zone, kill their objective in five activations, unless you're mm-hmm. unless you you know have something tricky going on, and then you're allowed to start scoring. Yeah, hmm. that feels hard and, to win. Yes, yes. So and the game ends after the tenth round. So if it takes like a turn to get to the objective and then it takes five turns to kill it, <laughs> like 
you can only possibly score for four turns. And I bet a lot of games is going are going to be one person putting a lot of resources into trying to kill the objective, and the other person just killing them <laughs> and winning by tabling them. Is, is that so, another win condition in um in first place? Is, is tabling a win condition? Yeah, I think it is. It is in well, so it would come down to a tie, mm-hmm. right? Even if, if oh, you don't table them, right? Because nobody can score. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I believe I don't remember. Okay, sorry, no worries. But that seems like a likely feature. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, don't know. Like, meeting engagement should not have been first. It's it does not show off the scenario as well. It's not interesting. It's going to go badly a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Outflank. So Outflank has two nine-inch zones and then two objectives. And the objectives are not in the zone. Um, mm-hmm. And it's corner-to-corner fighting. So this is a this is a really big, wide table. So like, yeah, when, when you only have like 20 dudes tops. <laughs> right, like, yeah. Uh, like getting across this whole 36 square root of two uh, battle line is going to be really tough. Yeah. <laughs> But at least the zones are viable, and they have the rule where you can't score before uh, round two. So you, you have some time to get to the zone, and then you can start fighting over it. So really like that. Right. And then the, the thing I like about this one is that you get bonus victory points if you have if you control both zones at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a, like, if you're winning, you win faster. Right. Yeah, but... And then the other cool thing is, in addition to getting uh, t- a couple victory points for, yeah, you get three victory points for killing the enemy objective. But in addition to that, you get an extra victory point for scoring the zones. So, like, if you can kill the objective and get a zone, you get a big bonus in points. So there's, like, right. two ways that you can go for those bonus points, which I really like. Yeah. Um. The this is so there there are two types of scenarios. There's either ten round games that have a victory point like a sudden death point where if you get to that number of points the game ends and you win. Mm-hmm. Or this is the other one where it's an eight round game, it's just at the end of eight rounds, whoever has the most points wins. Right. Okay. Yeah, having a little bit of variety there's kinda nice. Cause I think that's one of the like maybe bigger weaknesses of some of the other game systems is where every single scenario scores exactly the same. Like that's yeah. a strength in that they're easy to teach, but it's a weakness in that they get stale very quickly. Yes. Uh I like having a a point where it's just like the game's over, you've won, please let me go home. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. that's my only crit- criticism. Uh so scenario 3 is going to remind you uh, a lot of of incursion. <laughs> it's three uh, yep. 6-inch zones <laughs> across the center line. Yeah, uh, this this one has the same thing where if you have two or more zones, you get bonus victory points, and this one is the kind of like where it's if you get eighteen points, game's over, you've won. Yeah, this this one should be number one. Like, this is yeah. the simplest, it has the fewest rules, it'll play out great. This one hundred percent should have been the first one. Yeah, I could see that, and it'll and, it'll it's the simplest, but it also allows people to place really nicely because there's you know a big wide portion of the table to mess around with and rewards list building yeah. really well for that too yeah and and you don't have to solve the objective challenge mm-hmm. yeah this is the, if i was teaching the game this is the first one i would play for sure 
Okay. So I mean, well, it's in one. there at least. So if that becomes common knowledge, yeah. that's good too. Yeah. Uh, the next one is bizarre. <laughs> so mm-hmm. this one uh, has the only way to score are four. Sorry, the only non-killing way to score are four neutral objectives that are spaced diagonally across the table. So neutral objectives, both players can damage, and whoever hits five damage first kills it and gets points for it and it doesn't care how many points the opponent has done <laughs> oh so you track them sep- that's a really good way to do that rule yeah I, yeah. yeah i read that i'm like you can just do that <laughs> you, <laughs> you can just do that that is wait a crazy. minute you can just write rules <laughs> yeah well, i keep writing into that with other games where they're like like writing themselves in knots because like Oh, I don't. The fire rule doesn't really work. It doesn't. It doesn't really function the right way with our rule set. I'm like, you wrote the rule set. Just yeah. change it. <laughs> Just say it works the way you want, right? And I know that's a little oversimplified because sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't work that way. But a lot of the time, it's like if you just. I understand it's more words, but sometimes you can just write things that say it works like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, this was interesting. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you're you're racing to kill these objectives, and they're worth vict- three victory points apiece. Or if you kill two of them in the same round, you get an extra two points. Which, like, hats off if you do that and nobody steals it from you. Like that <laughs> yeah, seems right. very rare. Additionally, uh, you also get a bonus victory point for every regiment that gets completely destroyed. Hmm. So. And this is one where it goes the eighth round and the most points wins. So I think this one, unlike the first one, does a good job of balancing between how much effort to put into the objectives and how much effort to put into your opponent. Yeah. Because right. unless they wipe the entire regiment, they don't get anything. And you, you're just going in, in like if you get one objective, that's as, that's as good as killing three of your opponent's regiments. So yeah, I think the incentives are actually really well balanced there. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right. Let's start getting into the crazy ones. Spicy. <laughs> so this one has four six-inch objectives evenly spaced diagonally across the table. And your deployment zone stops so that you can have a, 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 a friendly scenario zone to the right of your deployment zone. So it's like in, in your deployment zone, there, your opponent has to walk all the way across the table and control this zone. And... You get three victory points for getting a neutral zone. You cannot control your own zone. You don't get any points for that. But if you're if you gain control of the enemy zone, you get five points. Now the game ends at sixteen, so you don't need to score your opponent's zone that many times to win. Yeah, that man, so this, I like this setup a lot. Right? Isn't that so cool? Where it's like, yeah, okay, this is this has no value to me whatsoever. But if I lose it, I'm, like, going to lose the game. So it's like, how do I distribute my troops? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and it also has the cool thing where if you have two uh, two of the two of the zones that you're allowed to control, so two of the neutral ones or one neutral, one enemy, or all three, then mm-hmm. you get bonus points as well. Well, and I really like this because it's like, think about, first of all, this is a competitive scenario, so, like, they're just objectives, right? But this would be so easy to theme in a narrative way. Like, this thing that I have to hold on to that's really valuable, but I can't get anything out of because it's a resource that I don't want to spend, right? Yeah. Like, that's well, such an easy thing to, like, narrate up 
that your opponent like, wants to get to and kill or control these or whatever. are castle gates right sure yeah like yeah like one side's a castle gate one side's like a siege weapon a siege weapon engine mm-hmm. like a trebuchet and yeah. so like you're, you're trying to control the area in between because that means that you can strike theirs and they can't strike yours mm-hmm. yeah it yeah it, it mechanically plays out just like that it's gonna be great yeah i love that <laughs> so speaking of <laughs> speaking of scenario zones that are in your deployment zone <laughs> mm-hmm. so bro- this is just looking at this one like i mean maybe this is just like his longtime war machine player but this gives me an aneurysm just looking at it <laughs> i'm just like what is what is this no i love i love it this is great I no i think it's great but it's like what's going on here you have two vertical deployment zones that are touching at the diagonal <laughs> This feels yeah. like a very 40k scenario. <laughs> like you can start in melee. Like if you deploy the person who deploys first and deploys at the corner, their opponent can't deploy in their full deployment zone because you're not allowed to deploy within one inch of, of an opponent's model. Yeah. Hey, that's and then like there, there, a strong yeah. thing that you could do, right? I yeah, it's an inch, but I think you're in charge range if you do that. <laughs> um, and then there are two neutral deployment zones in like in the space between or two neutral scenario zones in the space between your deployment zones so you will be fighting over those immediately mm-hmm. <laughs> and then in the corner behind your deployment zone you have a friendly deployment zone or friendly scenario zone that works just like the previous one where it's worth nothing to you but if you lose it it's it's terrible yeah right. yeah that's fascinating and, uh, and, and then there's some objectives to distract you in the opposite corners um, because they're not super far away, uh, but it is kind of hard to stop someone from going there. But it's having, like resources. Having like having like anti objectives like that is like really fascinating, right? Like in a weird way, where, where it's, it's like, yeah, it's like you you need it. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like. I have no idea how this one's going to play, but it's going to be fast. (laughs) (laughs) Events are going to occur at speed. Yeah, and it's never going to play the same, right? Like, I bet this one has a ton of replay value. Uh, I think this one is going to be very Prisoner's Dilemma, Mm. where it's like, if you both decide to fight over the neutral zones, it's going to play out one way. But if one of you decides to go for the neutral zones and the other one decides to go for the, like, friendly zones of your mm-hmm. opponents like get get the objective in their zone it's like uh who wins first i can't turn my army around yeah yeah very very interesting yeah you so, know what actually this reminds me of quite a lot of judgment like this kind of thing oh. where there's lots of like resource things all over the place and you kind of just have to decide yeah. where you're gonna go yeah yeah you can you can get to any of them but you have to choose one mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. that's exactly it so Scenario 7 is Tug of War. Uh, this will remind you a lot of Research Station from Marvel Crisis Protocol. Mm-hmm. You you get points for scoring the... So there's there's an objective in the center that you can't kill. Can't hurt, can't touch at all. Um, it basically acts as a 7-inch circle zone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you control that center zone, you get to move it six inches directly towards the center of your friendly zones that are in the opposite corners. Hmm. You yeah. get two points. Yeah, you get two points for controlling the objective. 
You get three points for controlling their their enemy objective zone. You get an extra two if you get both. And if you pull your objective to be within your friendly objective zone, you get fifteen points. <laughs> right. Seems like I mean, seems like a lot. You need twenty five points to win. So I it's mean, more than half of what you need to win. I mean, like if you just get it, yeah. Although I can't like really envision a scenario in which you aren't already winning if you've got it all the way over there. Like, yeah, I mean, you're playing like uh, it's just such a funky. I mean, tug of war, right? <laughs> yeah. So the T Rex is extremely good at this scenario, as it should be. Because, yeah, I can imagine, right? Like if it's yeah, he, it just, he just, just follows it just wins, objective. right? Yeah, yeah. He he just wins it. Um, and you have to score it, you have to move it 20.5 inches. So you have to score it four times yeah. in, order, in order to get that. So you, that you'll be at 23 <laughs> just by doing that. That's funny. Yeah. So I, I wish it was like research station where it's the other way around where, mm-hmm. where you have to shove it to your opponent's side of the table. Yeah. That would be interesting. Although with deployment zones being touching, there isn't really an opponent's side of the table. <laughs> yeah, that's so I guess true. That's yeah, so I guess it is better that it goes to your friendly zone because now you have to split your forces if you want to grab their zone and keep pushing it and right. protect your zone. Okay, so that's actually better. I was wrong. Okay. My personal favorite, scenario eight, tic tac blood exclamation point. <laughs> this is the first time I'm looking at this and I'm horrified. <laughs> so many. <laughs> so, so it is a three by three grid of objectives. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, just like the just like the previous scenario, these are essentially just seven inch zones. Uh, you can't hurt the objectives, you can't move them, you can't do anything with them. Uh, they're also smaller than normal. They're just infantry-sized rather than uh, cavalry-sized like they usually are. Whatever. Mm. Uh, so at the end of each turn, whoever has the most people around an objective other than the one that's in their deployment zone uh, gains control of it, marks it, and it's theirs until it gets flipped back by the opponent. Mm. You yeah, sticky objectives point- are weird. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah, well, because you're only going to have, like, five units, and that's if you're playing pretty spammy. So, like, you can't have nine people out, like, one person on each objective. Mm -hmm. So, there's going to be a lot of, like, moving past people and stealing. Yeah, Yeah. this is going to be like, we take our our safe turn one objectives and then turn two, like, who knows what happens, right? Uh, Well, except you can't claim objectives on turn one. Oh, right. You take your safe ones on turn two, and your opponent's fighting you already. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, and then you get bonus points if you can draw a chain. So, like, if you can draw like three in a row, you get an extra point. If you draw four in a row, you get two extra points. Um, it's actually unlimited, but uh, you can't draw a chain. You can't do two fours, or and two threes are the same as a four. So, it all it all kind of works out. Um, mm-hmm. If, well, okay, so the rules don't actually support this uh, because you can't control your 
your center one, but assuming that they could, that this does work, if you can draw a line from your deployment zone through objectives you control to the enemy's deployment zone through an objective you control and you control their their the one in their deployment zone, mm-hmm. you get 21 points and win the game. <laughs> oh, because it's tic-tac-toe. Got it. That's... Yeah. But All right. So you can't do diagonals. You, ha- you have to do horizontal lines. So you're not... Yeah, like it's not like tic tac toe, but yeah, if you, if you control like the the two to your right and then the two below theirs, I then think you just win the game. I think what I find funny about this one is is most so one of the things about scenarios in like miniatures games in general is it's always like playing around with what the abstraction is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, you you know, like I mean, it's like like War Machine, right? You're standing yeah. in like zones, and it's like, what are we controlling these zones for? And it's like you kind of have to make that up for yourself, right? Like, oh, it's an important location. There's a ley line there. I don't know, man. Uh, this is just like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> like, just straight up, like, it's very important that we take these three positions that create a line. So it needs to happen that way. This. This is kind of how ancient wars worked on the city scale. Yeah, you would, yeah. You would like go and be like, okay, you're my city now, and like, well, my army has to go and go get this other city. Just be yeah. good while I'm gone. Like, and it's this isn't me. Like, back. I'm not even. This isn't even yeah. me speaking of it as like a criticism. Exactly. Yeah. I just find it funny. Like, it's. I I think this it's one of those. It's one of those things extract. that I think when you're having yeah when you're having to, when you're creating a scenario packet for any kind of a game you kind of have to make that call right you're like how how much are we going to push for a like narrative that makes sense versus mechanics that like are game mechanics that are interesting and sometimes in you know the scenarios that are really incredible are the ones that do both but that's incredibly hard to do right that's that's game design holy grail type stuff of yeah you like, did it you married the two most difficult things together um like- one per game yeah and so i think there is some merit to just kind of going like listen (laughs) this one is us fully agreeing that you're playing a game (laughs) right like this this game is going to be absolute (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're gonna be running past each other you're gonna be trying to fight you're gonna like melee is going to be king because you're going to trap someone on a point yeah. and you'll have more people there and they can't move and steal something past you but then you can't react because you're locked in combat with them like absolute chaos yep. <laughs> because, and it's really cool that it's there are more points on the table to fight over than there are things that you can distribute out between them yes yeah right well and especially with the sticky rule right like yep. that that really rewards placement timing and understanding of of the game itself yeah and yeah understanding how that chaos is kind of going to work out is going to give you a huge advantage so like the more you play this one yeah it seems like this is a scenario you could learn for sure um scenario nine is pretty similar to scenario um two where it's got neutral zones, you're in opposite corners, and there's friendly objectives. Um, it just has two objectives and a bigger yeah. deployment zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, scenario 10 is, I mean, another diagonal, two zones, whatever. Um, the difference here is that the neutral zones are kind of like, or like your objectives are in between you and the neutral zone, so like really far yeah. away. 
Um, and it, ha it has the additional VPs for if you kill an objective and then seize their zone, which I really like. Yeah. Scenario 11 is actual madness. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> when you name your scenario into the grinder, yep. uh, it's got to be spicy, right? So the deployment zones take up half the table uh -huh. between the two players and again are touching. Yep. But this time... <laughs> There's a 12-inch zone that your deployment zones cover part of. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, unfortunately, like the first one you have to <laughs> Sorry, kill the objective. I, I just realized that the, the setting of the battlefield uses the word isosceles in it, and that mm. amused me immensely. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I remember when we were allowed to do math. Yeah. Delicious. Deli yeah. Mm -hmm. shush. <laughs> so, I, I actually... So, because I'm me, I set up a spreadsheet and found the distance you have to move in order to get from a deployment zone to each of the objectives on all the scenarios. Yeah. Doing a lot of doing a lot of like right angle uh, Pythagorean theorem stuff. So yeah, I was doing a lot of isosceles triangle stuff. Wonderful. Um, and so yeah, so this one again doesn't have a ton of way to get victory points. Um, you get a, you get five victory points for killing one of the neutral ones, which I think is cool because they're actually the furthest thing away. Yeah. So this is going to be another prisoner's dilemma where it's like, are you going to fight over the main zone or these other zones? Uh, I think this one's a lot more straightforward in that um, the 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 neutral objectives are a lot easier to take and just as valuable. Yeah. As the actually more valuable than the center one. So I think you're just going to put up a token resistance in the center and go for the neutral ones. Um, because it's just so hard to, to score that center zone. And it's only worth three points if you get it. Right, which is not a ton in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah you, this this one's a most at the end again. So if you mm. get those ten, just kind of play safe from there. Then you're in good shape. Uh, this one has the interesting thing that I wish they did more of in First Blood. But they do a ton of in Conquest where they either improve or make a liability a certain type of model in yeah. this case you get two victory points for every time you kill an enemy officer so if you take a special officer on your infantry regiments um you, they give you special rules often they'll have command uh abilities like your character this yeah. one if you if you kill one of them you get two victory points uh this is a big deal for old dominion who have an incredibly good officer that you should be taking in pretty much every game so do not like <laughs> yeah. but cool design really appreciate the design yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last scenario is kind of like the first one where it's got the objectives contesting the center zone, but it has two neutral ones that you can actually do. So I appreciate that. Um, so this one's going to be like, there's going to be a scrum in the center that doesn't actually accomplish anything, and you're going to be fighting over the two neutral ones. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Makes sense. So yeah, I, I, so I hate the first scenario. And there's a couple scenarios. The last two are kind of similar to it. Mm -hmm. But I love, 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 love the rest of the scenarios. Yeah, it seems like they've done some really interesting stuff with some of them. Yeah. And it's like they're willing to do some wacky shit, right? Which I always appreciate. Yeah. yeah. I And I'm if, I, if I'm being honest, I need to play into objectives more. Like, in my head, it seems like a ridiculous time investment kill one but maybe it's not that bad yeah so 
We'll see. Nice. Very cool. That's first blood. Yeah, that's yeah. a bit of an overview and, of first blood and, and its cool. current scenario packet. Yeah. How cool is it that there's twelve scenarios? I yeah, that's yeah, surprised I was, me. I was gonna say I was like, this is a lot. Having a really huge packet like that adds a lot to just the ability to keep the game fresh, right? And like mm-hmm. just having so many different options. And it seems like most of them like very playable, right? Like it's just, there's there's like one or there's a couple that it's like like you mentioned, you know, the first one, but for the vast most part it's, it seems like they're I just can't believe the first one's like that. It's like that's gonna set expectations, like primacy and recency. The first and the last scenarios are the ones you're gonna remember, and they're by far the worst of the packet. Yeah. Fortunately, all that requires to fix that is like a reorganization of the pages. So maybe they'll Seriously. fix that soon. Like that would improve the game a huge amount just to make scenario one and twelve, six and seven, and swap them. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Because, like, imagine you you open the scenario book and your first scenario is broken lines. You're like, what the fuck have I gotten into? Yep. <laughs> yeah, and you know now <laughs> that this is this is the mindset you need to have going forward. Is all right. Right. Yeah, okay. Seems good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I'm curious how the. So I like the, the, like I said, I like having a points threshold that just ends the game. Mm-hmm. Not sure how much I like that the threshold is different every every scenario, as are the value of the of the of the zones you're getting. I feel like if you made those more regular, that would improve your game a lot. Yeah, even like there's two options and each scenario picks from the two, would or probably like be the, a, a good thing to do like the size of the zone and who like who owns it determines how much it's worth. Yeah, like I could see 12 that. 12 inch zones are always worth 3 points. 9 inch zones are always worth 2 points. Mm-hmm. If they're control if they're an enemy zone, they're worth plus 2. Yeah. All right. I could see that being a thing that gets like but, if this is really like the first scenario packet, I could see that getting implemented in the next one. Yeah. And honestly, if the biggest complaints I have are that 25% of your scenarios are only okay and you can do some psychological stuff to make it better. Like, that's got to be good, right? <laughs> yeah, you're probably doing all right. Seems like pretty high praise. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a critical person, but like, oh, like, so I'm going to I'm gonna bring up all the stuff that, and this is supposed to be about game design, right? These are all the things that if we were designing it, we would improve, but. Like mm-hmm. overall, it's I'm I'm really excited. I think it's a really cool system, and like, you know, just being able to say, "Hey, we only have an hour left. Like, let's use these models we have to to play a game." Like that was always the dream of Company of Iron. Yeah, right. right. Well, and that's yeah, what having, kill, having that miniaturized version. Kill team is that's what you know. Yep. Every company is trying to make a skirmish sized game to go with their big game because it's really really useful both for their players and for the economics of getting into their game systems, right? Exactly. And it's, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I, as I become a grumpy old man, I, I just can't play three-hour games anymore. <laughs> That's what I'm all about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. We've gone in opposite directions. 
yeah i i like i've i've liked my games longer <laughs> as i've gotten older <laughs> i'm like i don't know i just kind of want to set up and be like this is what i'm doing for the next four hours <laughs> <laughs> i don't have to i don't have to find a new game i don't have to do anything different we're just going oh that. that's what it is yeah because every time you break down and set up a game there's like a 50 50 chance you'll have to learn a whole new rule rule set with the way your meta works uh yes that is true yep all my people play jank nonsense all the time so <laughs> yeah it's like all right we finished our 40k game time to play a game of conquest yes okay, also that <laughs> everybody plays everything yeah we and yeah. We're, we all bring like three full game systems every time we come out of the store that is absolutely so correct <laughs> so it's just nice to be okay let's play one game this whole night <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is all we're doing nice all right everybody we should probably start closing this bad boy out but uh thanks for thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us talking a little bit about uh first blood i think it looks really interesting uh i'll probably i'll probably bust it out with my uh my local group i know some of them have been interested in trying it out so yep be good use of some time in the meantime i want to give a big thanks to everybody who supports us on patreon because you are all absolutely wonderful if you want to check that out it's patreon.com slash los uh, or is it line of sight wargaming that's there it you go. uh and <laughs> say one thing one way for that long uh and uh yeah essentially our tip jar we've also got some fun things on there like you get a cool fancy colored name on our discord as well as access to being able to vote on topics early access podcasts a bunch of fun stuff like that uh, as well as some other fun little things. So go check that out if you would like to. Uh, you can go to our website, which is lineofsightwargaming.com. There's articles going up on there all the time, just all kinds of stuff uh, for a lot of different game systems, including Conquest, uh, which I write about roughly two-thirds of every Tuesday. Uh, and uh, lots of other game systems as well that we've been talking about really regularly. You can go to our Facebook, which is Line of Sight, which is awesome. You can go to our, if you go to our website, you'll go to the uh, show notes. We'll be able to get a link to our Discord. And there's just tons of people on there chatting about stuff all the time. Lots of looking for a game in stuff like Tabletop Simulator or any number of other things. And just chatting in general. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got for now. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.